Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week's episode, In Guns We Trust. In our deep dive today, U.S. gun culture and mass shootings. Do mass shootings exist because of a nuanced set of cultural challenges? Or do our problems with armed violence stem from an inordinate love of guns? And to encourage your cringe this week, Oral Roberts basketball, Wall Street banks rebel against racial equity audits, and Lil Nas runs with the devil. Does the NCAA's silence amid the outcry over Sweet 16 team Oral Roberts indicate their respect for the Christian values of the university? Or do they signal a tone-deaf diversity misstep? Should banks be expected to provide only capital and public sentiment as evidence of their pro-diversity stance? Or should racial equity audits be required before they get a clean bill of health? And finally, is a rapper's perfectly packaged demonic homage an inventive and harmless marketing promotion or evidence of anti-Christian bigotry? This and so much more on this episode of TDR. Jesus, welcome back. Hey, Charlie. again. We are. It seems like it's been a week since I saw you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's been a week. Not really, but in podcast time, it has. It has, it has, it has. Lots going on. Yet so many topics between now and there. It's like every week we're having such a hard time trying to narrow it down. There's so many things going on. Um, yeah, I mean, when we when we finally get to like an end of year hodgepodge, wouldn't it be like a fun ramble through all the things we didn't talk about all i know that would be, that, be actually a good one right a, like yeah, run through a list of all the things that we didn't actually get a chance to to talk about all all i know is it takes an hour or so to do the show and about 78 hours to put it together so it's <laughs> that's that's what i know i i saw a a quote today from somebody on linkedin i forget who it was that was talking about oh no i do know who it was it was uh, uh ethan fixel shout out to my friend ethan um at iheart who said that um you know, the one advice he could give was that it was kind of like the contractor's advice when you're going to go build a, a new house, you're going to remodel your kitchen. It's like, it's going to take twice as long, cost it twice as much. Mm-hmm. It was like the equivalent of that, but for podcasts, it was like, you know, make sure you really know what you're doing um, yeah. because the space is getting crowded and competitive and it's harder than you think. Uh, I would agree with that. It is definitely harder than uh, I think what anyone thinks. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work, but I think part of it is that obviously we want to put our best foot forward. And and frankly, some of, some of the things that we're talking about, I think, are, are super important. So we want to have as much as we can a very nuanced conversation and finding nuance and uh, 
clickbaity world is sometimes kind of hard. Absolutely. And here's something completely un-nuanced. This is a discrete command. Remember to subscribe. Remember to subscribe. So, um, you know, make sure that you hit that little subscribe button. I love it that you're streaming. Love it that you're uh, catching us on uh, a variety of different platforms and pages. But if you don't subscribe, then we can't deliver the latest, greatest to you. So please take this second right now to just pause, hit subscribe, and then come right back. And then um, reminder also of our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash the diversity remix, patreon.com the diversity remix. We already got a couple of... Uh, Patreon request. It'll be interesting to work that into the workflow. Now it's going to take 86 hours to put the show together. <laughs> Up from 78. That's right. What kind of uh, what kind of things? I know we didn't plan this, so we have to look it up, but what kind of things we got going on on the Patreon page, Jesus? Do you well, I mean, yeah, you have the sort of the straightforward one. Of course, you'll be mentioned in the in the podcast you can. Um, you could also, I think, look, the, thing, the thing that we mostly get from individuals in our own conversations is people like to definitely suggest topics. For us to be able to cover, and by the way, we love that because, frankly, there's so many things that are going on that we love when, when things sort of come to us. So that's also part of the, our Patreon page is you have the ability to submit topics. Mm-hmm. The other I have one here, is, by the way, if you need them, yeah, it's yeah. okay. And then the, the last one, which I think is really interesting, is the, is the thing that we get also a lot is people love to like actually be part of the conversation. Yep. You know, we find ourselves all the time. I'm usually the one that's wrong, get, but getting okay. into <laughs> engaging the discussion with folks. And people are obviously very passionate about how they feel about some of these topics. So part of what we're doing with the Patreon page is allowing you, know, you, the listener, to be able to be part of the conversations. So as part of it, you'll be able to submit a two-minute audio clip with your thoughts in response to any topics that we have. Probably easiest on the courage or cringe uh, type of topic, but frankly, we're not limited to that. So we'd love to get your thoughts, love to hear it. And as part of that, we're going to play it as part of an episode. So... We'll start doing that here pretty soon as we've now gotten a couple of them. Uh, we'll start putting them as part of the, the actual episode. So you'll get to hear people's response after the fact, of course, but this will be a great opportunity for you as individuals to be part of the conversation. So personal shout out, suggesting a courage or cringe or other topic, could be a deep dive topic. And then lastly, being part of the conversation, literally participating in it, recording your own retort or pithy remark. Those are the things that are going on on uh, the diversity, patreon.com backslash the diversity remix. So go check it out and support the work that we do. Help us to do more of this. Um, all right. Jesus, should we get started? Let's get started. Yeah. Deep dive today. Interesting yeah, one. A, a very... We're going to solve this problem, of course, in 20, 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know we will. We'll get very this, far. This is obvi- this is a, a super deep one. Frankly, we're going to do our best I can to try to cover it because it's one that has a lot of history, a lot of nuance, and a lot of controversy, which is the whole debate around gun control. Which, you know, once again, is taken center stage, of course, driven by what recently just happened over the last few weeks. Sure. Uh, first, on March 16, when eight people were killed in a series of spa shootings in Atlanta, six of them being uh, Asian. And, of course, this also was tied to what has been, um, you know, a lot of this, this, what has been happening recently, is, especially with the Asian American community, a lot of violence there with people being you know, assaulted on the street, grandmothers being hit. So yeah. it's, it's been, been really terrible. And by, at least till now, I haven't really heard whether or not it's been deemed as a, as a, um, like really racial crime. Racially uh, motivated. Or racially whatever. motivated. Mm-hmm. I, so I haven't heard that part yet, but right. it definitely doesn't help with this narrative that unfortunately many within our Asian American community has been dealing with. Um, but, uh, you know, this event happened. And then basically a week later on March 22nd in Boulder, Colorado, 10 people were killed including a police officer in a mass shooting and happened inside of a grocery store. Um, and so it's that, not, by the way, and it's not just those, those two. I, I was for, actually yeah. doing the research just like 10 days later after that, after that shooting in Boulder, um, an Instacart shopper uh, who entered an Atlanta supermarket bathroom told police that he saw an AR-15 style rifle and heard 
what he believed was the sound of someone loading guns in a bathroom stall. And it turns out when the police arrived, they did arrest a suspect, uh, and he was uh, carrying an AR-15 rifle, a 12-gauge shotgun, four handguns under his clothing. All six of his firearms were loaded, um, was wearing body armor, and had a ski mask when was detained. So uh, obviously yeah. all of this, it just, you know, who knows what would have happened do, there if that wouldn't have been reported. Do we, do, and I don't mean this to be like crass or anything, but mm-hmm. do we know what constitutes a mass shooting? Like what the definition of mass shooting actually is? I don't know how many people need to be uh, killed in a single event to be considered a mass shooting. That's a great question mm-hmm. because I have seen like stats where it, it Multiple lists, homicide or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, where it lists a, like a lot of mass shootings just this year alone. Right. Of course, the ones that we think of, probably most people think of, are the ones that have been more publicly, like the ones I just mentioned. But I, I don't know if there's like a minimum, if it's more than two, is considered a mass shooting. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll look question. that up maybe as we go through the show. But yeah. it's just interesting to see how we're kind of defining things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, all of these tragic events just raise more questions, right, as to what is what is to blame, right? The guns or the individual, which is depending on where you stand on the issue, you kind of fall on either one of those. And then probably most importantly, what, what can or should be done, mm-hmm. right? Between new gun policy, um, more guns, which is sometimes the answer some folks have come up with, or just more enforcement of the current laws, right? Now, what I thought was really interesting in, in sort of thinking about this topic is that there was actually a piece done by the New York Times where they analyzed the question of why does the U.S. have so many mass shootings? And, and by the way, and we'll get into this, right? Some of the, the, the data was really eye-opening, but their conclusion was pretty clear, at least from the perspective of this analysis, which is they just lay, blamed it on guns at the end of the day. It's a lot of nuance here, but... When you strip away all the nuance, you still come down to the same kind of root problem, right? Uh, which is the amount of guns and the love for guns that we have in this country, right? Now, as part of this analysis, they looked at data from 1966 to 2012. Now, the United States had about 270 million guns and had 90 mass shooters in that time period. How many people do we have in the country? It's like 300, Three, 365, maybe? Something like that. Something like that, right? So almost one to a person. Yeah, so quite a bit. Uh, no other country had more than 46 mm-hmm. million guns or 18 mass shooters, right? Now, the, immediately the first thing I thought about was like, well, yeah, but the U.S. is a pretty big country, right? But at the same time, it was like, look, 31% of the gunmen in mass shootings worldwide were Americans during the same time period, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty big chunk when you think about the U.S. and what it represents as a global population, which is Americans make up about 4.4% of the global population, yet they own about 42% of the world's guns. So it's a pretty high over-index um, when you look at population versus uh, versus gun ownership, right? Now, what was really interesting is they looked at the adjusted population. Um, uh, you know, when adjusted population, only Yemen had a higher rate of mass shootings than the U.S. And that's this is, interesting. That's super interesting. There's right? like Yemen. 10 people there, and they had two people die because of guns. So it's 20% of the population. By the way, that's among countries with more than 10 million people, right? Okay. So that's, that's I was kidding, cutoff. of course, to yeah, all my yeah, Yemeni yeah. friends out there. <laughs> but that's, that is the cutoff. Because you're right. It will be in some cases where you have very small, small sure. countries. That will be that's interesting, though, because like I wouldn't peg that. I mean, is that maybe due to some kind of military well, situation? Well, here's why. Yemen also happens to have the world's second highest rate of gun ownership. Hmm? The first? Okay. So you didn't know the first. U.S.? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for us. We win again. By the way, Number the, one, baby. The U.S. was also higher You're tired as it relates to the rate of mass shootings, mm-hmm. higher than Afghanistan and Iraq. I still want to find out about the Yemeni one, though. That's interesting. Like, why? Is, why? Why do they own so many guns? Yeah. Why them out of out of all these, you know, these yeah. countries largely have a similar ethos, similar way of being. And yeah, all of a sudden they pop but it, up. It was, it was super interesting to me hearing, you know, the U.S. rank higher for mass shootings than you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, two mm-hmm. countries that have been, you know, in turmoil for sure. such a long time, right? Sure. 
Now, and of course, that's not to connote. I mean, they've they've had like literally live war theaters in those countries in certain cases, like where people are like, you know, you got mortar fire and like, you know, sure. uh, shoulder mounted rockets. You know what I mean? So like, it may be a question of definitions there because somebody shouldn't be, get the impression that somehow walking in a street in an American city is maybe un- less safe than. Walking in some place in the middle of war torn, sure. a war torn yeah, country, yeah, yeah. right? I so mean, the, yeah, if you have to pick one, you probably would not gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna probably still take that, right? So right. some of the, I'm sure someone has to do the way that that a mass shooting is being defined, right? To to your point, um, now according to the study by Adam Langford uh, from the University of Alabama, he said that look, a country's gun ownership correlated with the odds that it will experience a mass shootings, right? So there's direct correlation with how many gu- guns are in a country versus the likelihood that it's going to experience mass a mass shootings. shooting, right? Now, a 2015 study estimated that only 4% of American gun deaths could be attributed to mental health issues. Now, here's where the study started really getting into breaking down some yeah, of the typical arguments that you, you know, many mm-hmm. people hear. Mm-hmm. Also, whether population pays, plays more or fewer video games appears to have no impact, uh, according to a study from the Washington Post, where they looked at gun violence versus the top 10 video game markets. And by the way, that kind of makes sense to me in the sense that I think that it will be easy to track. Literally, mm-hmm. say, like, where do I have the most video game sales? And then compare the amount of gun violence that is within those countries. Um, and these are all within developed countries, right? They, they, they're talking about. Uh, also, the U.S. is not more prone to crime than other developed countries, right? It's just more lethal. So according to a study by the University of California, Berkeley. Um, well, I'm sorry. That was according to a study by, by, the, by, the, by Berkeley, right? That it wasn't so much that it was more crime. It's just more lethal. Um, now, more gun ownership corresponds with more gun murders across virtually every axis among developed countries among American states, among American towns and cities, and when controlling for for crime rates. So simply put is that anywhere where there tends to be more guns, there tends to be more gun murders, mm-hmm. right? Um, but now, yeah. now what, but what that, but what that's saying, I mean, just to kind of break through it, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a ton here and we, we want to, you know, just kind of tackle some of these issues as they come up. So what they're basically saying is that the fact that it's there and it's it's more accessible to people just make it that if i'm sort of taken by the by the 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 sort of passion of the moment that i'm going to reach for that because it's more available and therefore i'm going to be more able to kill somebody because it's available to me that's like literally that's the argument that's being made there's more yeah. of them so it leads to more more death now the interesting thing and this gets into some of the things i want to talk about but mm-hmm. the interesting thing is i can totally see how that makes sense for suicidality and suicidality is like the number sure. one cause of, of gun deaths is people killing themselves right with guns and it makes sense to me that if you're at the end of your rope and you're completely you know you're you're broken you're crashed down it's like you, you just want all this to be over and you have the ability to very quickly right in quotes it's obviously tragic when people commit suicide but to very quickly grab a handgun in that in that case and use it i could see how that accessibility and availability right. would just make it make, make it, it easier, that much easier more likely for people to want to so to the extent that that more guns equals more suicidality like i'm on board but i think to the extent that more guns equals more people walking into like ralph's and shooting it up like that to me that and there may be they may be in the same string of logic though like i i can see that oh, but i'm sure. saying it's 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 a little bit of a farther kind of bridge for me to to get to that just having more availability means i'm just going to go for it more because it's just right there it's it's much more available right yeah i think the but it, right and i think when, when we're talking about gun violence here you're really referring to all of them right suicide but suicide is number one 
Yeah. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah, by yeah. like a lot. And then you also have, of course, accidental deaths, right? right. You hear this Let all the time you... with people that have you yeah. know, shot themselves and, ki- and children especially playing with, yeah. with guns. Crime in, in general, right? People using guns to commit crimes. And then also the other one that we already talked about, which is actual mass shootings. Right? Can, can I ask a really, really controversial question? Yes. Okay. Do you think a lot of the people, this is, I, I'm using stereotypes here. Okay. So it's your let's, favorite. Let's do, uh, so, so it's, it's, it's all about controversial questions. Yeah. So, it's so, okay. so generic question number one is uh-huh. a lot of the people who are more towards more gun legislation tend to be, not always, but tend to be progressive or, or left of center. Generally speaking. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that a lot of the people advancing the right to die uh, movement are also left of center. Meaning if you want to, if you're done living and you want to just off yourself, you're good. So do you think... That one I assume, uh, you're probably right, but I I, I wouldn't know. Well, okay. Just to be fair, I'll try to confirm it, but I think I'm on pretty solid ground with that one. Okay. (laughs) Probably right. All right. So then would you, do you think that there would be that they would, like folks who are kind of for more gun legislation, be okay if there was a carve out for so long as you're, like for suicide? Because I find it really remarkable that you have to kind of peel at the at, at the data to get at the suicide thing. Nobody talks about that much as openly. It's like mass shooting and the guy walking into Ralph's and these horrific things that are awful. But like there's five people that get killed at the Ralph's and there's 5,000 that got killed committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Would they be okay with an exception for suicide? Like it's okay to have the gun, but if you use it to kill yourself, that's good? No, I think even the case of, of people that are for the idea of, of folks wanting to end their own lives. And I think that one, by the way, speaks to more assisted uh, suicide as opposed to people that just want to kill themselves, right? I think the question becomes is in those cases, by having a gun, maybe they are more effective in killing themselves, of course, but also what is all the repercussions that come with them owning a gun? Could one of their children grab the gun and, and shoot themselves instead, mm-hmm. right? Or could one of their kids grab the gun, take it to school, and shoot up the school? It's like all the things that happen with the gun ownership that frankly cannot be controlled. Many cases, or at least, you know, there's mm-hmm. plenty of examples where it isn't controlled. That even if you are for the idea of having someone having someone having the right and ability to want to end their life if they choose to, still even though it's very effective to go through guns, there's so much like downside, additional downside beyond. Yeah, there's so much more collateral damage. Maybe a better way to put it beyond that individual who wants to make that choice. I would think I would have a hard time believing anyone will be for that as an exception. The sad reality of it is is that the correlation between um, generation the suicidality as it relates to generations is like astronomically high meaning if your parents one of your parents committed suicide your likelihood of committing suicide goes up by like five thousand percent that is very sad and it has nothing to do with the means by which you killed yourself right so i understand the point but it it, you know in practice i'm not sure what difference it would really make in terms of the collateral damage but anyway i just thought my question is more mm, to answer you which is like people want to see this as a acceptable exception for gun ownership, right? What well, just for the purposes of right. killing themselves? Like, right. I just don't see anyone wanting to have that stance. Maybe there is, I'm sure, but right. Well, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see enough of the the actual linking of the dots, right? Which is a lot. Of, there's a lot of people who are being killed by guns. The majority of them are being are killed by their own hand, like they're killing themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's tragic. I think that needs to right. be addressed. Um, but then there's also an equal movement, which is people should be allowed to kill themselves when they want to. So. And yeah, you were saying assisted. I know we're, this isn't the top topic we're, we're supposed to be deep diving on, but you're saying assisted is what, what they care about. 
the equivalent. I think so, right? I'm, I'm frankly well, not familiar with the subject. I mean, there's definitely, but, a, but I think there is a, a group of people that really I think you're right. That idea. I think you're right. There is a, 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 a the assisted movement is definitely one, and, and in varying parts, you know, in varying sectors of that argument, you'll find people who are less or more conservative about what it even means to be assisted. Other people would say like, "Hey, look, it's your life; you can take it whenever you want." Other people were like, "No, there's a cost of society, and we want to make sure people are, have their heads together when they do this." Et cetera, et cetera. But then the argument would hold that so long as I assist the person in using a gun to kill themselves, it'd be okay, right? So, like, to me, it's just, it's just curious. It's just curious how the same folks, generally speaking, again, I'm using these generalities, but who might be, against, might be for restricting gun ownership are also for um, increasing access to the ability for you to end your own life. Like, at the same time, when the number one thing that people use guns for is to kill themselves. So... It's just an interesting yeah. point. For me, anyway. Right. Let's just go work with me here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I follow, I'm following what you're saying, but I, I don't know if anyone that is for the idea of people being able to end their own life would be for the idea that there's more gun ownership so they can do that. Knowing that there's all of this ripple effect that happens when people own guns. To your point, it's like literally, like, look at it, like there's more guns around, more people tend to be hurt by so guns. you're saying that they would they'd be purists about it they wouldn't have a problem with killing yourself they'd have a problem with the fact that it's like if you kill yourself kill yourself with something that then can't kill somebody else because i may not want to die yeah probably i'm, I'm, but wow. I'm completely on a ledge here but but yeah I, w- I would assume so i would assume so okay i, I don't know if you're definitely catching me by the way i don't even know what is the criminally how they handle it in terms of handle it in terms of law it's against the law to commit suicide, and, and it's still on the books. Like it's not something. So I didn't know this. Like if so jumping someone, off a jumping off a so, building, like you know. No, no, but it's different between when you do something, maybe with the person trying to kill yourself, but you put other people in harm. If you jump off the building, there's a likelihood that, of course, you kill yourself, and then you kill somebody else in the process. Possibly, Just in the same sure. way that if you go on on you know drive your car and, and run it off a bridge, yes, you may kill yourself. You're probably going to mm-hmm. kill some people along the way. So I can see that. But if someone literally hangs themselves and they don't succeed, they get thrown in jail. You know that I don't know, but so I, I like I've never yeah, I never thought that about that. I never knew is, that uh, is is illegal. I'll, I'll look it up. Now you, that's now you a, be looking at really, four other things. That's really interesting because yeah, I'm not even sure if that's actually true. I mean, it could, could be what that it's illegal. No, well, like that. It's if probably you, been decriminalized at some point. Yeah, if you're doing that in a way that doesn't put anyone else at harm, such as like being inside your house or something, or like mm-hmm. of course not like setting a fire or anything like that where other people can be harmed. But that's really interesting. We, we're completely off topic at this point. But copies are up to let's see in in twenty five of one hundred and ninety two countries and states studied in this uh, the legal status of suicide by PubMedia.gov. It says that in one hundred and ninety two of those uh, countries and states, I don't know what the combination is of each one, but in twenty five, suicide is currently illegal. Additional twenty countries. Uh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll get I'll get to the state one. This 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 is not the right stat to read, so we'll <laughs> okay. we'll come back to that. Hold that thought. Good. All right, I'll I'll come so, back to it. Obviously, there's all this data that was covered by by the study, right? Mm-hmm. But but compared, and this is the point that the study was making is that compared to most developed countries, the U.S. has some of the weakest controls over who may buy a gun and what sorts of guns may be owned. Right mm-hmm. now, currently, Congress is debating regulation that could expand background checks for gun sales. Right, legislation had already been passed. By the House, actually two of them, right? But seen currently as a non-starter in the Senate by Republicans and even some Democrats, like Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Um, now, the argument that they, um, you know, they make is that the best compromise is through a measure that will limit background checks to all commercial gun sales, including on the internet and at gun shows. 
but that it would exclude any gun sales between relatives, right? That seems to be like the most common argument people are making right now as it relates to restricting or doing background checks or a broader background checks as it relates to, to gun sales. By the way, I did find a better source just really quick. So under modern U.S. law, suicide is no longer a crime. Some states, however, classify attempted suicide, to your question, as a criminal act. But prosecutions are rare, especially when the offender is terminally ill. So there you go. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, so Biden, President Biden is pressing for Congress to pass legislation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he made it part of his platform, meaning his presidential platform. And in 1994, it was key to the passing of the assault, assault weapons ban, which expired in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the passing of that legislation cost the Democrats the House, in part because of the push of the NRA to push out those that supported the law. Mm-hmm. Um, although recently kind of adding a little bit of uncertainty in terms of how urgent it actually is, as President Biden said that passing gun control measures is a matter of timing as he's currently working on a plan on infrastructure. I feel like so, I say that all the time, though. I mean, on this question. I mean, the, 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 so, look, we can, can we keep on going through this, but really, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, the, the reality here is, which is really interesting to me, is when I think about the state of gun policy here in the U.S., it's like, at this point, the question that I ask myself is, what needs to happen? Who needs to be killed in order for the, for, for the country to want to take a more aggressive stance against gun gun control, right? Or for gun control. Look, I'll give you the, the best example, which is uh, Dave Chappelle. In one of his stands, I think it was Dave Chappelle. In one of his stands up, he said, look, if you want to get like gun like gun control laws to increase in this country, just have black people buy guns, buy more guns. Mm-hmm. And he was basically making the joke saying that that's We talked is about the only that over to... the summer or something. Wasn't there, remember the black militias uh, yeah, around yeah, the exactly, protests? Exactly. Like that literally is the only way because when you look at the history that this country has mm-hmm. had as it relates to Mass shootings and just being mass shooting. I mean, you've had children be killed multiple times, right? And Sandy Hook Elementary, you had them in um, in uh, Parkland High School, right? Kids that were being killed, children and kids are being killed. You've had like mass shootings in the case of Las Vegas, right? Fifty eight mm-hmm. killed, more than almost eight hundred people injured, mm-hmm. and that it, it's like the scale. So it looks like no matter what scale it is or who gets killed in this process. Um, this country, for whatever reason, has a very limited appetite to want to do anything to want to regulate uh, gun ownership or even the types of guns that people can, can own. Right. Reg- or regulate more. Well, I mean, it's regulate we already more. Have yeah, regulation. there's some regulation, yeah. but regulate more. Contra- right. Regulate more. Okay. So, um, there's a lot there you want to there, there, there is. I mean, look, I, I, can, I can tell you that the one stat that stands out to me, right, because the argument from this article, mm-hmm. which is different than what you typically hear, right? The typical conversation goes something like this. We need more gun control laws. And then somebody says, laws only work for people who observe the law. People who use the guns to kill other people are criminals. They don't care about the law. Therefore, having a law doesn't stop them from doing it. And you know what? Logically, it kind of makes a lot of sense. But the challenge is, is that nothing is binary that way, right? By the way, is it that, mm-hmm. but no, is that the dumbest argument ever? It's like, why have laws if criminals don't like to follow laws anyway? Like, you can, you can literally use that for anything. You're right. Well, no, but there's no, not no, have no. any laws. No, no, no. You're but, right. But, but the context is additional laws. It's already illegal or, or to kill even, people. Yeah, because it's already like, illegal to have, shoot up a, hold up a store. Let's not have like speeding laws because people like to speed, like to follow speeding laws anyway. Right. Let's not have laws on, you know, you can like literally go on the, the, the road every for sure. single thing it's I, when i hear that i always kind of chuckle I'm like that's really dumb but the equivalent would be let's have a speeding law for going over 55 and then let's have a second law for going over 61 
That's the equivalent. And the argument is we already have one that says that if you're going faster than 55, you shouldn't be. We don't need an extra one for when you're going 61. That's but, the issue that's being made. But but there is a case. And I don't know, actually, I don't know what, the, what the law is, but there is a case where if you go that's the over equivalent. a certain speed... It goes past the point of now. It does. It goes it, it into it goes like it goes reckless a, or a homicide. Uh, or, no, no. It's called uh, a reckless endangerment. Reckless endangerment. Thank you. If you're going reckless like 100 in a right, 35, right, right, right. it's different than going 37. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So like I said, there is some nuance here, yeah. but both of the, the caricature of the argument looks something like that, right? So yeah. now the part, the stat that stood out to me in this particular article is it makes a very clear case, like li- saying literally all this other stuff is fine, but at the end of the day, there's just too many guns, and that creates access where people right. otherwise wouldn't have it. So you may be super pissed at your neighbor, like super pissed. You may want to kill him, wring his neck. But if you've got a gun, you may shoot him. If you don't have a gun, you may go punch him in the face. You may stab right. him. You may run into his, take your car and crash into his mailbox. <clears throat> but the lethality of that act is significantly lower, right? Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me, right? That there's just so much availability, 280 million guns, 320 million, 30 million people, yeah, I get that. And that makes a lot of sense to me. But then there's also this way, this abstraction of looking at guns like they're in some like cupboard somewhere, like everybody's got them in their pantry, right? When you actually de-average those 280 million guns, it prob- the way that it works is not that one person or every family has one. It's right. like, you know, an organization has 10,000. Some guy is like has a cache of 50 and then you kind of de-average it. Now, even if you've done all that math, there's still a ton of guns right. relative, right? But here's the things for me that kind of pop out, okay? Mm-hmm. So I agree with that point. And the biggest problem with having so many guns is that I totally see it in the case of suicide. You've got people who are generally isolated, lonely. They're not talking to people. They're closed off from the world. And if they can open up that drawer and right there in their drawer is a gun, like I get that. Believe me, I understand that. But we're not, but we don't seem to talk about that. We seem to talk about the guy who walks into Rouse and shoots, shoots it up. And that as a percentage of the suicide one is so much lower. And I don't know why we don't talk about the suicide one anyway. But, but I, I mean, but I think I get why, why it doesn't get talked to a certain degree. Look, it's a very big difference when you have a person who's, who's struggling with their own internal demons literally that decides to take this mm-hmm. fatal act and, and, and shoot themselves than someone walking in and killing 20 kids mm-hmm. like that's those are night and day sort of com- points of comparison yeah you know? i because, definitely don't see it that way because I, well i think yeah. in, the, in the context of and especially in the case where part of the reason why these individuals are able to kill so many people in such a short period of time is because of the type of legal guns that they're able to actually use. Because that's the other thing. It's not just about people having 22s that are all like manual revolvers right. that you can like have to like sit there, put six in and then like reload. It's about the types of guns that, that, are, that are actually available that can create so much damage in such a short period of time. Yeah. By the way, an AR-15 is basically a 22 though. So it's not about the caliber. It's about probably the cartridges yeah, and about course. the ability to, but to I've load them. I've never had anyone describe an AR-15 as a 22. That's the bullet that it shoots. It shoots a 20, basically a 22 bullet. I mean, that's, that's what the 22 stands for, 22 caliber. Now you can do a lot of them and you can fire them, you know, in rapid succession. But by the way, even that rapid succession works on any pistol too. You could just, as much as you can shoot the trigger, the, the bullet yeah. comes out. It's, what it's the difference the is, is the clip size. Yeah. That is the, that is the, 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 the difference that makes a difference is that I can maybe carry 30 or 40 rounds and in a clip. people are able to customize the, even the AR-15 to make them fully automatic. Right? Yeah, okay, but you can customize a spoon and turn into a bomb. It's not, I mean, like, customization. The, so we the, should allow spoons as well. No, we I shouldn't. Think, we should I, have I a special law. right way to do as it. As long as we have a special law for sporks, then I'm okay. <laughs> All right, but listen. I'm he, for he, that. I'm for that. He, here, here's the thing. Uh-huh. Um, 
So I, I completely disagree with your point about like one kind of death is different. I understand the idea of being caught unawares and being like, this has nothing to do with me, but suddenly I'm dead. But I start from the vantage point that all human life has dignity and that all human life should be protected, all of it. And somebody killing themselves in a basement by themselves by a gun to me is as tragic as somebody going and killing somebody else. I really do. I think that's equally tragic. The circumstances are different. And there's maybe different ways and strategies to um, to approach solving it, but I think fundamentally you still have a dead person, and I, I believe in the dignity of all human people. So um, anyway, but my issue with this is that there's so many things that we we don't we're not also addressing, right? Because let's say we have the we have we agree we've got too many guns. Mm-hmm. Now what? Now what? Right? So is there you could put in regular? Like, is there a right have, number? Is there a right number that you feel we should have in terms of guns? I, like it's Frank, I, don't, I don't know what the number is, but. I mean, when you do look at, you know, 4% of the population, mm-hmm. of the global population, owning 42% of the world's guns, that's a problem. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, the, you're right, I have no idea what the number is. All I know is, like, you know what, when, when you've hit extremes, went way past the point, like, we're at a point of so much, uh, just it's just so much abundance of guns and access, and to your point, it, I think it does create a situation where things can, can just escalate. In a manner that people don't want it to be. As a matter of fact, I was and I hadn't thought about it in such a long time. But there was a guy that I knew, who actually it was like a kind of like a family friend. He he worked in the same place as my mom worked. Really like super nice guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy, you, you would talk to him. He he looked like he could never harm a fly. And I remember something happened where he got into an altercation with another guy. They got into literally, literally a physical fight, a, a fist fight. And he happened to have bought a gun not that long ago, and he took it out. He didn't shoot the guy right then. He got arrested. And, but like, but he took it out of his house to go do something. It just didn't happen. Because he was just yeah. so... Like, it, but it was a perfect situation of if he hadn't owned a gun, yeah. it wouldn't have even ever gotten to that point. And thank God that it didn't escalate beyond that, that he didn't end up like shooting the guy. Or, or better yet, that the other guy didn't come out with his own thing or somebody else. And all of a sudden, they shoot each other and or people that are in that in that place, you know, where they lived. But that's the problem of how things can escalate when it's even part of the equation. I can see the kind of, again, the sort of crime of passion, the yeah. adrenaline's flying, and you have the access and all that stuff. Now, having said that, because I looked up the stats, gun ownership does not actually correlate with higher homicide rates. Now, we'll put this in the show notes, but there's a stat, which I'll show you here, Jesus, just so you can actually mm-hmm. see this this graph. The um, What it shows is per capita gun ownership and then the actual homicide rate so the the in, in this graph that I'm showing Jesus, there's a huge graph for the for the, for U.S. Right, it's a giant number in terms of the amount of guns that are there, and then the other bar is the amount of of homicides relative to that bar. And what it shows is it's actually not that there's not a correlation necessarily between having more guns and having more homicides. Now, again, this graph. I think it's also, specific, yeah. I think it also masks the issue, which yeah. is it's homicides, right? It, if you added suicide to this subset of it, yeah, exactly yeah. a subset of it. So, yeah. so, I, so I think I've got here are my challenges. I think um, if the if the solution is additional laws and additional legislation, I just think that we have to be able to get past a few things, and that is that most of these mass shootings happen in what are already areas that have extraordinary gun legislation. In fact, the stats are ninety eight percent of mass shootings happen in gun free zones. 
That's 98% of them happen in places that have the strictest gun laws. So what I ask is like, okay, does that, it seems to me that we would have to have other solutions beyond just legislation in order to solve for this, right? Um, yeah. The the, um, the gun bans that have been brought into the past have been basically proven, you know, ineffective. And there's a bunch of stats from the CDC and the FBI and a bunch of stuff that you can kind of point out to that. But, you know, I think that the 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 main issue that I have is that I think that this is an issue that goes to, in my mind, a you know catastrophic uh, change in the way that people relate to the world, a catastrophic change in family, a catastrophic change in the way that we view culture and one another, people not looking at each other with dignity and, and respect and looking at each other as other human beings. There's a lot of things that lead somebody to walk into that Ralphs and do this or kill themselves, frankly. Mm-hmm. And both of those things need to be addressed. I don't think that writing a new law, which seems to be where a lot of the energy is, is the thing that gets at that. I think that that like we have to start with the you know the faith based approaches, the um you know community, the mental wellness, the all of, we put billions and billions of dollars in new technology into apps that make you know that are all about mental health and wellness and all these different things. There's like an entire trillion dollar industry now about wellness, but we can't seem to devote any of that kind of innovation to these particular cultural issues that I think drive a lot of this stuff. So I just worry that writing a new law and just saying, great, we did this new law. I don't think that changes anything. And that's the part that ultimately, if we want to solve something, we should want to actually get to the bottom of it and solve it. And I don't know that that does that. Yeah, but you, I think the way you describe it is like putting these laws have no effect on actually curbing who gets a chance, who actually owns a gun, right? There is current loopholes of people being able to buy guns at gun shows without having to have any background check whatsoever right away. In, in some states, there's more restrictions to being a registered to vote than there is to being a buy a gun. And that's like, there's something wrong with that. Agreed. But right? then, so, but, but so you're, then, but you're, so but, then let's, mm-hmm. addressing those gaps yeah. in those places where it does exist. And by the way, this whole notion that that people are, are very against not having any background checks if you're selling a gun between you know family members, like, why is that? Because you're going to tell me that you can attest to every one of your cousins and family members of exactly what they've done in their own history like get out of here! Like why is why should there be an exception with that? Why should there be exceptions of being able to buy guns and uh, and gun shows without having to have a background check? Look, at the end of the day, if you're going to have the power within your hands to be able to end somebody's life, including your own, shouldn't there be a little bit of work that needs to be done to make sure that person is suited to be able to own a gun and be like trained enough to know how to handle it? And those are laws that are not like at a national level being done correctly across across the board. Right. But that, that so would, there is mm-hmm. to, I guess in my mind, there is, still is room to improve, even to your point about the you yeah. know thirty five versus forty one right. miles per hour. Right. There's areas where you still can improve in some of these cases. And I think there are also certain types of guns that are just not necessary. Right. So, but doesn't doesn't the 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 kind of argumentation about the loophole thing and the family and the brother and all this mm-hmm. other stuff connote that you know everyday regular people who have no history of cr- criminal background or any of these stuff these things are the ones who are the, like the lead culprit in these situations? In other words, like what somebody else would say is like Jesus, most of the guns that are used in these things are stolen or they're taken from some other thing. So, like, what difference does but, it make? Not not in mass shootings, Charlie. Okay. I mean, literally the last two that just occurred legally, I think I'm pretty sure both are legally bought, right? Um, no history whatsoever or anything. So you're saying the background check so in those cases would have caught that particular Yeah, it could have caught so, so, so many situations. And like that, I think that's the point. Like that's not going to change the, you know, to your point, crime of people that are like out there selling drugs and people that, to your, that they don't care anyway. They're going to do, do their thing. 
right? And and by the way, just because there is crime doesn't mean that law shouldn't be around. I mean, that's the part where I don't I don't agree with that with the argument. But I think there's plenty of examples where you could have curved so many situations by having better enforcement and better laws, frankly, to be able to get it out of the people that really shouldn't be having these things. We we have to move on to courage or cringe, but do we do we have a sense of the 280 million guns? What percentage of them are like st- are right now in circulation stolen? Like in the black no market? Yeah, or are no those idea. legal and that's not even in counting the black market ones? That's my fear. I think those are the legal ones. I think there's actually like a whole yeah, underbelly maybe. of ones that aren't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the, the the challenging part that I see is that in a number of these, especially as really, because those are the ones that get the most attention, of course, could be the mass shootings, is in the number of these where they were like legally owned guns or where kids were taking them from their parents or, you know, people that actually just bought them themselves. Um, that, that makes everything very problematic. But yeah, it's obviously a super complicated issue. Look, I just hope that we don't need to have another mass shooting, another big event to happen before there's actual action that we want to actually take as a race to some of these things. And I think that's the part that is, it is frustrating. I think for anyone that, you know, believes that there should be some action. Cause look, I appreciate all of the enforce all the guns, the laws that are already there. A lot of the, you know, prayer that people have and thoughts that are, that are supporting people that are going through grief. That's great. But for those people that have been impacted, I think at this point, they feel like they need more than that. I get you. And I'm, I'm all for the action. I just want to make sure we take the correct action and not just, you know, feel good about passing some law. Yeah. All right. Courage or cringe? Courage or cringe? Switching gears into the sports domain with Oral Roberts, which is not a toothbrush, as it turns out. Oral Roberts. Yeah. NCAA's uh, silence on Oral Roberts University. Uh, March Madness controversy, maybe? Question mark? Um so Oral Roberts University just ended a ridiculous run in the NCAA tournament. And I say that like with effect because they it's like I mean, yeah, Cinderella story on steroids. Yeah, by making it to the Sweet 16 as mm-hmm. a 15th ranked seat. Right. Now along the way they defeated number 2 Ohio State, number 7 Florida until Those seem final, like big schools. Yeah, those are big school Ohio State, Florida, right? Until finally losing to number 3 Arkansas, but only by 2 points, 72 to mm-hmm. 70, right? So in any other time, this would be like undeniable, one of the biggest Cinderella stories. Of course, everyone loves an underdog um, of that little team that could, right? However, Or Roberts has been also making other headlines, mm-hmm. right? Mostly for some of its controversial past and some of its anti-LGBTQ plus policy that the school supports. Now, a little bit of background in terms of the school, right? For those that may, may not be familiar. So it was founded by televangelist Oral Roberts uh, in 1963. By the way, it is kind of funny when people like name things after themselves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like I already kind of give a little bit of McDonald's? A... <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Especially like institutions, right? Like I, right. I get businesses like you know Trump Tower. I get it. Yeah, you're like you love your own name, but a number of them are though. I mean, yeah, I guess so, too. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's a private Christian school that upholds the values and beliefs of its fundamentalist uh, namesake. So while consistent with its consistent with its religious beliefs, right, it also you know puts it at odds with some of the NCAA's own stated values of equality and inclusion, right? There's all there have also been allegations of financial impropriety, uh, which forced uh, Richard Roberts, who was actually son of Oral Roberts, uh, who was the president of of, of the school, um, uh, mm-hmm. basically to to resign in a in a messy you know re- resignation. And in more recent years, stories have popped up alleging discrimination against students who identify as LGBTQ, right? Now. As they were getting all of this sort of attention because of going through its its uh, Cinderella story in the, in the tournament, the school was being mocked on social media for its code of conduct, which includes banning of profanity, banning of social dancing. Uh, I thought it was social distance, but no, it's actually social dancing and banning of shorts. Social distancing is okay <laughs> as long as you're moving your hips. Um, exactly. Right. Uh, and banning of shorts in classrooms, right? Mm-hmm. 
However, it is its stance against LGBTQ plus that has many up in arms, right? First, in its code of conduct, right? So as part of its code of conduct, it says, students are expected to maintain the highest standard of integrity, honesty, modesty, and morality. Mm -hmm. Certain behaviors are expressly prohibited in scripture and therefore should be avoided by members of the university community. Mm -hmm. They include theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting, profanity, vulgarity, including crude language, sexual promiscuity, mm-hmm. including adultery, any homosexual behavior, premarital sex, drunkenness, immodesty of dress, and occult practices. Right? Also, part of it is also... need to get that one to Little Nas. That's coming up yeah, next. Yeah, also as part of its honor code. So within his honor code, uh, honor co- code um, it says, and I quote, I will not engage in or attempt to engage in the illicit unscriptural sexual acts, which include any homosexual activity, any sexual intercourse with one who is not my spouse... I will not be united in marriage other than the marriage between one man and one woman. I will not drink alcoholic beverages of any kind. I will not use tobacco. So they're going to go into some other areas, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the central issue being raised is how can the NCAA's decision to include Oral Roberts in the tournament be justified when compared to their state of support of diversity and inclusion, right? Many of which also supports, obviously, LGBTQ rights. Now, for those wanting to exclude Oral Roberts, right, the school from their position, uh, from, from the actual tournament, right, which is, which is basically what people are asking for, mm-hmm. Uh, their their position can probably best be summarized by an opinion piece from uh, uh, Herma uh, Javeri, a USA Today contributor. Now she puts um, Or Roberts, which uh, with its decrees banning homosexual con- conduct, stating that marriage is only between a man and a woman, and specifically banning male students from wearing makeup, earned a ticket to the big event, even though the university's foundation expressly go mm-hmm. go against the very thing the NCAA say they value. The fact is, and any and all anti-LGBTQ plus language in any school's policy should be banned from the NCAA competition. Now, those opposing this position, right, of course, defending Oral Roberts University and point to the slippery slope. I'll lay out by another opinion piece by Ed Sturzer, by the way, also on USA Today. So, by the way, kudos to USA Today, man, because I, I was looking at their, <laughs> they literally gave up an opinion piece on both for and against. So, I, I like that they did that, right? Uh, and he said, look, yeah, it apparently lacks the needed qualifications to play college sports today, as referring to Oral Roberts University, a willingness to conform to the new moral dogma. The dogma teaches that tolerance must mean agreement, then branding all who disagree as intolerant and harmful. Not satisfied that we respect opposing views on human sexuality, all must affirm homosexuality as acceptable within our own theology. There can no longer be any disagreement, only compliance. This is a stunning 180 from the argument we heard in 2009 when LGBTQ plus advocates maintain, all we want is to marry. How will my marriage, how will my gay marriage hurt you? Now it is, we want your college accreditation, your athletic participation, and more. Yikes. So a, a lot there, but uh, mm-hmm. Oral, we need to Oral have Roberts. Them. We need to have them both on the show. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Charlie, you, you start with this one. I obviously give the background in terms of the, the school and the situation and and obviously the controversy that this stirred up. So this is specific to the NCAA's silence on the issue where with respect to Oral yeah, Roberts. Yeah, Courage or Cringe really, yes. It's under silence, which is basically um, allowing Oral Roberts to, contain, to continue in the, in yeah. the, in the turn, tournament. I mean, their silence either says that, hey, we agree and they should be part of it, or they're just trying to ignore it and let it sort of all wash away. Yeah, I got you. I mean, but that's the yeah. This one's a little crazy for me. So I'm gonna. It's courage for me um, in terms of their silence. I don't silence think, is courage. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that they should say that. As long as I have to pick, I don't say they should say anything about this for a number of reasons. Number number one is just the positioning of it, and you read it in the piece. But this idea that their position, which is basically standard Christian 
uh, perspective is anti-LGBT is part of the problem. I don't believe in that. I don't agree with that. I think that's completely false. I think that the Christian perspective is that all people are made in the image of likeness of God, period. I don't know another way to brave, give more dignity to people than to remind them of that. And so the fact that it's like positioned as anti-LGBT, and by the way, I don't know Oral Roberts or what they teach or preach. If you guys have heard this show and you know me, you know I'm a Catholic, so I don't, I don't know this particular branch of Christianity. But I read their position, and it's kind of, you know, meat and potatoes Christianity. And it's, it's all, you know, basically uh, rooted in the idea that the human sexual organism is ordered to marriage and to procreation. And so sex, therefore, is ordered to marriage. And if marriage is between a man and a woman, then it kind of rules out everything else. Now, you can have a disagreement about that, a principled stance, whatever it is, but this is not some radical invention of like, you know, I don't know, neocons or something or Ted Cruz. This is like, you know, 2,000 years of teaching and Oral Roberts has a right to exercise their faith. None of it should have to do with playing basketball. And by the way, the NCAA can have their own policies about how they deal with their own stuff. I realize that the NCAA is a body of other people. Like, I get that. But I think that they can have their own thing about how they believe they want to operate NCAA agents and employees and whatever else and still not require those exact same things to every school who participates in the league. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's an easy one. This one is, I mean, neither none of these things are ever really courage or cringe, So, but it's courage or cringe in our context for our friends at Oral Roberts. Um, okay. So I guess with the NCAs, even in the way that we phrase the question, I'm struggling with it. Whether Unless you want to look at it a different way. No, but, that's that's fine. Yeah. So I think their silence, um, or them not—I don't know if it's silence. We're we're assuming silence almost makes it sound like they're doing it intentionally, right? Maybe it's just you know more generic. Maybe it's them just not doing anything about this. Not, yeah, they're they're just not acting on it. They're right? not acting. They're, on they're not it. acting on it, which in in some ways it condones it. Uh, other ways, it basically tries to ignore it and hopes that it goes away. Um, and I think between courage or cringe, I probably have to go courage. Um, and the reason I go courage is that, like, I will start with I don't agree with Oral Roberts' policy position, their their student, their their code of conduct, basically anything that they're saying here. Having said that, I do think is their right to actually have whatever beliefs they want to have. And the thing is, look, for the most part, their their position is actually consistent in the sense, like, look, they're even saying. They don't want any kind of sexual promiscuity, any kind, right? Adultery, premar- premarital sex, homosexual behavior. They basically don't want to include anything within that. I'm not saying that I agree with that or people should be doing that, but it's also think is their right as a as a private university who wants to operate under this, you know, Christian belief that they want to basically their students mm-hmm. to agree to that belief if they want to attend the school and and be part of it. And to that point, I don't necessarily have a bigger a big issue with with them doing this. At the same time, with from the NCAA. I don't know if, if it – I think it leads us to a, a worse path if now as NCAA starts basically dictating that you can no longer have um, private Christian universities not be able to adhere to their own Christian beliefs, right? And they do that by actually limiting them from being able to participate in the highest revenue generation events, which include like the tournament. Yep. And that's essentially I have an issue with it, even if I disagree with some of the policies and codes of conduct that these, some of these universities may or may not have. Um, now I, I was going to say it's cringe only because I rather, I kind of want to hear the NSA say that I would like respect them more if they said it. So I, I would wish, too. I, I would wish too. they wouldn't. So that's probably the only reason why I would, frankly, probably, I would have respected them more if they came out and said they disagreed, but they were still going to right, do like, that. Whatever. Yeah. Like if they yeah. made uh if they responded to it, I yeah. think because but to pretend that is, that is, that is not there is what I don't like. Mm-hmm. 
even though I think that the outcome in this case is probably one that I will support once again, even if I don't necessarily agree with with what they're you know what the specific code of conduct that the school actually is is trying to push forward. Uh, so I wish NCA did more to actually come out and address it and reconcile these two thoughts uh, because of some of this. Look, and we've talked about it. Look, we if we believe if you believe in diversity, uh, then you really have to believe try to believe in diversity in all of its different modalities, right? Including people that don't agree with you or have different belief systems. And this is a perfect example of someone that, at least for me, has a different belief system that I may not necessarily entirely agree with, but at the same time, I think they have the right to have that kind of belief. Uh, so for that reason, without drawing it on any longer, I go with courage, even though I don't like the way that the NCA has gone about trying to handle this. Okay. I'll give you a pass for all of the qualifications that you made, but it's, okay. <laughs> it's a, it's a courage. All it's right. A courage. Very good. What's next? Uh, yeah. Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of American, Goldman Sachs. A couple of bucks between them. Uh, yeah, exactly. They got a couple of, uh, they urge couple of dollars shareholders to vote against racial equity audits. Uh, I love when I, when it's I saw a great this, headline. This, this headline. Yeah. So this is a, a piece that was covered by uh, market watch. The PR team is just loving it. <laughs> So these four banks, right, mm-hmm. all of which expressed solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, probably had a black square. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they did. Very likely had a black square last year are right. now asking That's- shareholders, no, 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 let's go ahead and not do these racial equity resolutions that, um, you know, that some of these shareholders are, are, are asking for, right? Uh, now, the shareholder proposals urged the bank to examine their practices uh, and policies and identify ways to avoid adverse impact on non-white stakeholders and communities of color. Something which the banks say it's unnecessary because they say that one, they already are supporting different initiatives and two, have committed a lot of money, or just they commit money, but it is a lot of money to such issues internally and externally, right? Now, some of the push that they're getting include a number of things, right? So and not just only cover a couple of things like Citigroup, you know, they're getting point uh, like brought up that they, um, you know, examples of on city got fined by the Treasury Department in 2019 for yeah. not offering mortgage discounts and credits to all customers. Wait, is that their, bad? Their lack, yeah, their lack of diversity <laughs> in their executive ranks, although they do have, I guess, a black executive CFO. Uh, Goldman Sachs, right? Um, the point to lack commitment and diversity in their in diverse workforce. Mm-hmm. Basically, each of them had all of their different times where they've, they've been called out by the Department of Justice, by the mm-hmm. Treasury Department. Of where they've been caught and, and gotten their hands slapped. Yep. Right? Now, these shareholder groups also point out that the bank's political and charitable donations have contradicted their stated commitments to, just, to justice and, and, and equity, which this is what it gets really interesting. Mm-hmm. So City donated 242000 during the 2020 election cycle to 74 members of Congress who are rated as F by the NAACP. Wells Fargo also donated to Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas, who called for military airstrikes on Black Lives Matter pro- protests as well as other members of Congress with racist records. Well, I saw the tweet on this. It, it is pretty hilarious. He, he, did, he did say that. And then Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and Goldman Sachs all have donated to police departments that bypass normal pr- procurement processes to buy equipment for police departments, including surveillance technology that has been used to target communities of color and nonviolent protesters. Mm-hmm. Now, the banks, and to their defense, you know, they point to the financial commitments that they've shown to support both that both City and, and Bank of America have, have each committed over a billion dollars to a number of causes that support uh, black and brown communities. Right. By the way, this while also recommending against shareholder propositions such as 
uh, adopting a Rooney rule, right? Policy we talked increase, about that one before. Yeah, to increase diversity in his board of directors and disclosing his direct and indirect lobbying activities in a report. And that's when you have to interview a diverse candidate for every open role that you have, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, that's that's what they're referring to. Yeah. The same as you would um, uh, as you would have in the in the. I'd in love the to understand the rationale for that because even though you can actually make a think a moral case for why you wouldn't, you could. I'm not saying I agree with that or that you should. But I bet you they their case is not that is not that that argument. I bet you it's something super dumb. Like you know what? Like because we've heard this before. You just can't find these applicants. So right. why would we want to saddle ourselves with that requirement? But uh, and, and, anyway, and what you saying about that? I'm not. By the way, I'm not sure how the Rooney Rule that they're referring to. But this is the same way as the NFL. It doesn't say you have to hire someone. No, you have to interview. It's simply have to be part of the. But process. what I'm saying, I can see the conversation going like, look, it's just going to be really impractical. We can't always find the candidates. You know that there's just not enough, and we just can't adopt this rule. Like you know that that's the reason. It's not yeah. somebody going like, listen, <laughs> I actually fundamentally disagree. I'm making a libertarian stance against uh, intervention. Like no, it wasn't that. It was somebody just you going know, like, you know, I, I can't find candidates. What, what to me the funniest part about this this piece is. Uh, well, we gave a billion dollars. Like, what are you, well, what are you, what the, are you giving a shit for? You know, like, the entire exactly that. The right? entire piece rings of that. It's like we've already <laughs> paid you. Go away. That's literally <laughs> what it reads. Doesn't like. It sound like the most like stereotypical way that a bank will handle things. Like, it it reads. Yeah. It reads like what we talked about with John Ford about uh, the Black Exodus thing. It reads like uh, eighty dollar yoga pants and uh, ten dollar lattes to me. It's like we've already yeah. paid you. Like, right. 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 Well, look, I'll, I'll go Come first on this Come in through the one. service it's, it's, entrance. It's pretty obvious for our man on this one. The whole thing is cringe. Like, it's cringe by the... Specifically, look, and obviously we're cringing or cringe the bank's decision to push back or to recommend for uh, for, for basically to vote against racial equity audits, yeah. right? Um, so I'm encouraging every one of those banks, every single one of them, because I think they're all guilty of a lot of things. And to come back with that, we already, already gave you guys a billion dollars. Like, what are, what are you mess? Like, what are you bothering me for? I think it just completely misses the point of what it takes to really drive systematic change that could address many of the inequities that are there that, frankly, many of these banks have benefited from, right? And have been, like, publicly been caught for, been fined, been addressed by all these different bodies, right? We talked about the you know, Treasury Department, Department of Justice. All of them have been in trouble at one point or another, right? And still, at this point, even at this moment, every, all this social reckoning that happened um, last year Still come back with, uh, well, we gave us a billion dollars, so what are you bothering me for? So, Charlie. It's just I literally Brief. have nothing to add. Brief I, and I, to the point. I literally have nothing to add. <laughs> I, uh, I, can, I concur with you on cringe. It's just so it, – it's like I, I even forgot what we're talking about. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just so – it reads just so hollow and phony and all of it. It's just terrible. Yeah, it's just, it's just and terrible. And it's, it's all terrible. About, and it's all about money. It really is. It's about money. It's what it is. It's like this is going to cost more money or it's going to put our money at risk. That's what it all comes down to. But you know, you know the, the probably the most eye-opening thing here is that, look, many of us, for the average consumer, when they hear that any institution is putting a billion dollars towards something, they'll be like, oh, wow, that's a lot of commitment. That's great. Like that's – but when you are operating at the level that city, that Golden Sachs is, is, is like, to them, it really is nothing. It, it's like the yeah. minimum amount of commitment to just show mm. people that, look, we're doing stuff yeah. without having to do stuff. The sad thing about, the, I've noticed this in some of the conversations I've had recently with very senior people over the last few weeks, is the kind of slow waning of the energy of all right. these DE&I things, which, by the way, is exactly what I said a year ago. Yeah. That's exactly why I've been so, um, you know, whatever, Scrooge-like about DE&I stuff, is because if that's the only vehicle you have to express this kind of thing inside of your organization, 
it's going to ebb and flow based right. on the stuff that's going on. So these guys are like, you know what? Public sentiment is that now I can push back. So I'm pushing back. There you go. And that's and what I think they're we'll doing. We'll find out, and we'll find out what the you know what the pushback is on their pushback, right? Oh, for sure. You, obviously, for sure. they feel they're in a position where you they, know where they the, can where they can. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out. But yeah, I think it was you know very cringy all the way around. A hundred percent. So this last one, let's let's get into the last oh, one. Yeah. Talk about this one. Lil, Lil, Lil Nasdaq. By the way, anyone whose name is Lil? By the way, his name is Montero. Wouldn't you like what an awesome name? That is an awesome name. Like you could like I could imagine like oh that's Montero signal. I was like wow that's a new, that's a it's inventive it's original it's actually right. his name. Does it mean anything? You know I, I didn't look Montero. Up. I mean well in Spanish it does like somebody from the Monte right? I would yeah, think I guess you know, so, somebody right, from the from it, the, it is a cool name. Yeah, I think I guess it's a super great name. But anyways, Lil Nas X. Unofficial Satan Nikes containing human blood sell out in under a minute. Wow, is that bad? Is that an indictment of our culture? No, it's no, awesome. Everything's fine. awesome. That's fine. By the way, is Nike involved in this? Or, or no, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Which is terrible. Like in the headlines, obviously everyone uses Nike, and I sure. get why, but they're not involved like, at all. And they came out pretty, pretty quick. Like, hey, time, time out. out. <laughs> these guys have nothing to do. We have no partnership with these guys. Because yeah. I thought it was the same thing. We're like, oh my god, and I could just do this. Like, right. that's we're, not good. We were in the human sweat business before. Right. But not right. the human blood business. Right, right, That's right. a, a like, right. <laughs> We're more like figurative blood. Uh, right. Blood, sweat, and tears part. is not literal. Right, right, right. So CNN reported that rapper and singer Lil Nas X launched a controversial pair of Saint shoes featuring a bronze pentagram, an inverted cross, and a drop of real human blood. And right. they sold out almost immediately. Right. Awesome. This was part of a collaboration between Lil Nas X and MSCHF, a New York-based art collective. Mm-hmm. Now, these custom shoes were made using the Nike Air Max 97s, uh, though Nike had nothing to do with their design or collaboration, right? And then, once again, they came out pretty whatever, right away and, and denied the whole thing, right? Now, the limited edition uh, shoe only only provided, only, I guess, did 666 pairs, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> a little reference there. Each for a price at $1,018 a pair, by the way, the math on that is $677,988. Oh, really? That's, what do you think the operating great. margin was on that deal? Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, a reference to the Bible passage, Luke 10, 18, that, read, that reads, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, each shoe's air bubble sole contains 60 cubic centimeters, or 2.03 fluid ounces, of red ink and one drop of human blood. Mm-hmm. Now, according to MSCHF, right, the the blood had been provided by members of their art collective. Oh, adding, so that's we okay. We love to sacrifice of our. Uh, we love to sacrifice for our for our art. Right. Okay, yeah. that's good. Was that mandatory? Or was that option? No, I just want to know. know: Were they COVID tested before <laughs> yeah, they put exactly, that blood yeah. in that vial, or is that cool guess, just to be yeah, like? I guess uh, it's cool. I guess it's cool. Mm. Of course, there was a ra- there was rage, right, by many, including politicians and pastors, right. Mm. Now, in response, Lil Nas X posted an apology video on YouTube, which turned out to be his new music video. Yeah, so he's like, that's gotcha. trolling. Uh, showing in the, actually the, the name of the video is, is his name Montero calling you by your name showing him dancing provocatively with a devil character before snapping his neck now the day after Lil Nas X released the music video he responded to the backlash over, over the rebellious religious imagery and he said and I quote I spent my entire teenage years hating myself because of the shit y'all preach what happened to me because I was gay so I hope you're mad stay mad feel the same anger you teach us to have towards ourselves mm. 
Now, in 2019, The Collective, um, this company that he partnered with, released a limited edition Jesus Shoes, or Jesus Shoes. I don't know if those are Mexican, but I think it was Jesus Shoes. <laughs> um, so, I like that. By the way, the funniest thing in the world is asking Siri to call you on the phone. Yeah, I know. I know. And I have my series in a British accent, just so you know. So oh, if, so even call, call Jesus Chavez. <laughs> Go ahead. So that all, so those also made from Nike Air Max mm-hmm. ninety seven sneakers, which featured a steel crucifix and holy water, sourced from the Jordan River. Mm. That's pretty cool. All right. The last thing, the company in response to the rage said, "We all knew that some people would take the Satan element of this seriously, but I'm not sure we were entirely prepared for how much of a fear it would cause. Obviously, from our perspective, it was just fun, right? There is a really rich wealth of symbolism to work with, but some people have been very up in arms with it." Charlie, please go first. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm going to start with this as a cringe. Um, I feel like, honestly, I, mean, I, I watched the video, and, of course, in terms of quality of production, I mean, image, you know, images, technology, the marketing, the packaging, you're kind of standing back and, like, you're in awe, right, of, like, how all this thing just got dropped in the drop ship of the special shoe and the right. sellout in two seconds, and... It coincides with a new song. It's, it's, and it's a just very like, integrated marketing approach. Oh, it's I, super I give integrated. A lot of credit for that, yeah. So as a marketer, you're kind of like looking at it like this. By the right? way, even, mm-hmm. even the, the quote of 1018, right? I saw mm-hmm. Satan fall like lightning from heaven. There, and it's funny because it wasn't until I read that. I'm like, oh, interesting. There's a scene in the video that I don't know if you saw this. Like, it looks like he's going to go to heaven. And then he's like slides this like literally like this giant stripper pole. Well, the video is like all a, the way down to yeah. hell. And it. I don't know if there was like there's a reference there because of this line, you know. I'd have to study the video more, and then I'd I'd need like some Pepto <laughs> and a lobotomy. But if I if I had both of those, then I could study it for a little longer. Yeah, yeah. because it's a, it's a little bit of a theological mashup. Um, yeah. you know, it's like you got Garden of Eden, but then he falls from grace, and then he's like doing just really really gross stuff with with the devil, and it's just it's really really just grotesque as far as I'm concerned. But look, here's 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 where I, where I feel on it on an honest level. I feel that it's I feel tragedy when I think about this. I think that it's terrible that he feels that way about the faith that he was brought up in. Mm-hmm. I think it's if it's if it's true, and I have no reason to believe why I wouldn't that he was made to feel something other than the fact that he's made in the image and likeness of God, which I said earlier, then that's terrible. Now, that doesn't mean that you, that the, you know, the Christian walk is one that doesn't demand things of you. It does. And by the way, we seem to be okay with everything else that demands something from us, yoga and CrossFit and, you know, marathon running or whatever it may be. So the, the, the Christian faith demands something of you as well. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to accord with your beliefs or you don't have to believe it, but it does, it is a, it is a, a way of life and a lifestyle. And I'm, I feel really a sense of tragedy and sadness for him. Mm-hmm. That he feels that way about his faith. But I further think that it's tragic that the supernatural is a bit of a punchline here, is a bit of, you know, is is, is at, at best, right? It's it sort of, it's, it's creating ignorance. At worst, it's creating ridicule. I don't think that any of it helps anyone or anything. At the same time, he's, you know, an artist and is expressing himself artistically, and I can understand that, but to the point that we made earlier about the, the implications of our actions with the, with, with the whole thing of gun control, it's not just you, mm-hmm. right? It's not just you. You're making this video for a lot of people to see, a lot of people to be, you know, uh, a lot of folks who may be impressionable, et cetera, and you, you, you have to at least consider that in your actions, sure. right? So, 
So I, look, I look at it and I don't know Montero. I'd, I would certainly like to, but it seems to me that he's got wounds and he's got you know some wounds from childhood and you know that's something that is expressing itself in this particular way it seems like he's you know got a point that he wants to make and for that if it helps him in his path I'm happy for him but I would encourage him you know, in other directions than this, because the supernatural um, is real. Uh, that's what I believe personally. And I've had some interaction with uh, things on the demonic realm. And it's not something you want to monkey with, to be honest. And I just, I just, I really, it, it really is, it, um, it hurts me to watch this stuff, to be honest, sure. for him and for other people that are involved in this. So for me, it's an absolute cringe, easy one, um, although there could be more to be said. And by the way, the Holy Water Shoe, I got some things to say as well, but we, that's another show. Would you, I'm curious, would you be cringe or cringe on the Holy Water Shoe? I probably would be cringe on that because of the mo- the intent, right? The in- the intent seemed to be this kind of like... Um, yeah, it's, sort not, of ch- it's not out of like... Reverence. Reverence, right. right. Uh, yeah, now it's the, not a reverence. It's, now, the interesting thing is they actually made a really interesting theological point, Jesus, in, in doing this, the fact that the holy water collected from the Jordan River. In a typical sense, water collected from a river wouldn't be holy because the water would need to have been blessed by somebody in order to become holy. Right. With one exception in all of Christianity, which is the River Jordan, because Jesus himself was baptized so in it. So they did it there so they wouldn't have to get anyone else to... Exactly. That's so I'm, pretty, I'm like, see, that's, that's pretty really knowledgeable. That's pretty good. smart, really smart. That's pretty so, good. Anyway, see, that's me. Um, yeah, hmm. I, I'm very much on the fence on this one. Um, and the reason for that is because I'm so impressed with how well, like, <laughs> integrated and organized this whole thing has been. Yeah. Like, uh, frankly, from a pure marketing standpoint... I know. Like, I gotta give him a lot of credit. I'm like, this dude created this moment out of, to some extent, nothing. Now, with a lot of controversy, right? And I watched the video. And, and listen, look, because just because I don't care for it doesn't mean that I have a, an issue with an artist expressing themselves in, a, in a whatever way that they want to express themselves, right? And frankly, some of the stuff that he's doing, do I put it like so much worse than some of the other like videos that I've seen? Like if it was if it wasn't a guy if it was just a woman doing some of this video like some of the stuff that he's doing would we all respond the same way would have the same level of controversy I would have I mean maybe you would have but I don't think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have right but it's, I think it's because of him and it sort of it creates that sort of dynamic but it is so like intricate what they've sort of built within the both the product and the and the and the music release of of the video and I think they're they sort of are using a lot of symbolism here and there. I do feel that it's a little bit on the maybe disrespectful, maybe the wrong word, but I don't know. It's it's it all feels a very bad taste, which is probably the only reason why I would give this cringe. But frankly, I just got uh, I was impressed with the level of creativity and how integrated this whole thing was. And it's probably why I ended up on courage, even though there's nothing about this that I wouldn't necessarily deem as courageous or that I personally want to support or that I want to buy or that I want to like watch. I mean, I literally watched the video because I had to just to be able to watch this thing for this, yep. for the, for the, for this thing. And if anything, I feel like it actually, I feel bad for him, frankly. I, I feel too. bad because when he came out and when he came out with old country road, which is a song that really put him in the, in the, like in the, in the map, I w- it was, I think a great moment for him to come out publicly as a rapper to be publicly like, out you know, gay um and be a rapper and be able to like be able to operate like at a pretty high level without him getting you know whatever thrown out with the with the with with, with it. and the fact that he felt comfortable enough to be able to do it publicly i thought was great and great for him i think great for especially for rap music right which has, has its own struggle in terms of you know dealing with women many times and even with with lgbtq audiences and and and, and artists so while i really respected him for that i feel like this one 
uh, it kind of went a little bit overboard. But I really love how integrated this was. You know, you and I talk a lot about these like integrated content ecosystems and how to put, have it all put together. So just the amount of planning and creativity yeah. of making this work, even though the subject of it, I don't have, I do not care for at all. Um, and even the video, I did not care for it at all. But I just, I don't know. Can I make one I'm more getting, point? I'm getting too caught up on the creativity of yeah. it all, which is no, why it I, is, I thought it was. It is uh, very courageous. sleek, sleek and impressive. And again, from a supernatural standpoint, the supernatural realm can oftentimes be very sleek and attractive and impressive, but um, nevertheless, not good for you. So um, the, the, the last thing that I would say, and I didn't mention this, but it, it, it was in the background operating, mm-hmm. is that I think that this can also be put in that column of evidence of another example of the last acceptable sort of prejudice, the last acceptable bigotry, which is anything that's anti-Christian. We we are so frenetic about making sure we're not offending anyone. But when it comes to Christians, eh, if some Christians get offended, who cares? And I think that that falls into this category. And I just don't understand that. That's super fair. That's super fair. I don't, I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. I think there's certain things where people feel in general more comfortable making fun of or being able to have a country's position on um, because it's not seen as a group true or not. That is, um, that should be protected. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Imagine if he had been raised Muslim as an example and he was oh, doing sure. a lap dance on Muhammad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean like, there's no what? doubt. There's no doubt. You, you could, you could pick a lot of any, almost any other religion. And I think it would have been very problematic for him to do that. You're right. I, I don't know what it is. Well, I'm not justifying it either. I'm just simply, I agree with you. I so we're you. just underlining the, the cringe. Yes. Right, very good. Jesus, great show. What else What else we have for the folks? Anything? You haven't given us words of wisdom in a while. You've been... I've been very wisdom out. <laughs> You've been losing, uh, losing the wisdom. Losing the wisdom. We, uh, have, a, we have a couple of fun shows coming up. Um, we are going to take a break next week, right? Yes. So we're off for, uh, for Easter. We uh, wish everybody who happens to be a Christian, and even if you're not, uh, happy Easter. Um, so we're going to be off for next week, but we do come back the week after. Uh, we've got a couple of fun shows coming up. So uh, encourage everybody to listen. Encourage everybody to also subscribe and hit up patreon.com backslash the diversity remix to support our work. Um, but unless you've got anything else, Jesus. No, I think, you know what What we may actually do, because I just, just think about yeah. it off the cuff, is yeah. we may go back to like our our first our first 10, 10 uh, episodes and pull, maybe pull out our, our favorite one from there. Wow. And we share it. Because look, frankly, look, and we've heard this now over and over again, there's people that have been, you know, starting to listen to sure. this show that, you know, weren't really listening to when we first started, yep. right? So we now crossed over, we're over, we've gotten we're a- episode 32 now, right? So, there's plenty of the topics that we've talked about, so maybe what we'll do is we'll resurface one of the earlier ones. I love that. And give it a little bit of an intro, reintroduction, especially nice. if something that needs to get updated. Um, and then use that for the episode for next week. Can we uh, drop a pair of uh, Diversity Remix Nikes with some... Uh, Ooh, I like that. It's a little bit maybe of like goat DNA or something <laughs> in it, you know, in the heel. Yeah. Maybe yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, or some tapatio or something. Tapatio. Birria juice on it. Some birria. There you go. I love that. That's oh, good. I love that. I like that. Can you put that together in a week? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't think so. I'm going to call the agency that did a uh, little Nas X because obviously they know what they're doing. <laughs> it's true. That's true. It's quite an endorsement. Yeah, that's cool. We exactly. did the, we did the Satan shoe. Oh, that's <laughs> that great. Was, well done. Here's the RFP. <laughs> very good. All right, my all friend. Right. Thank you very much. And we'll hear all of you and talk to you guys next time on TDR. Happy Easter. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. 
We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.